Are you seeking a better way to accelerate your sales, to scale your business, to live a life with no limits? Accelerate Sales Podcast features global experts who have cracked the code to recurring revenues with proven sales systems and get you on the fast track to scaling. Now let's accelerate your sales with today's episode. Hi, I'm Paul Higgins. Welcome to the Accelerate Sales Podcast, episode number 411. You're going to learn three key things today and actually a little bit more than that, uh, why you shouldn't reply on partners for leads. So that's SaaS partners sending your leads. How to get inbound leads with a very, very, very innovative strategy. Actually, you're going to love it. And why targeting 200 companies is going to help fill your funnel. If you're a first-time listener, please subscribe. If you're a regular, love those reviews, especially on Apple. Take notes but we will have a summary in whatever app you're listening to. And you'll also get a full transcript by going to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast. And you can also do it through the homepage. And before we go into the interview with Doug, I'd like to thank our sponsors. The first is the Cloud Consultants Collective. So if you're a cloud consultant, you're looking for a free community on Slack to help you answer all your business questions, it is for you. So go to cloudconsultantscollective.com. And the other one is SendSpark. SendSpark's a fantastic video platform that allows you to send personalized videos at scale. And it's what we use, and it works incredibly well with great analytics. And you can get six months for free by going to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash SendSpark. So today's guest is uh, Doug, and he's the founder of Image Business Development, and he's directly helped or advised a dozen of companies who excess- excessively sold for over, that's it, the $1B, $1 billion. He started as a HubSpot partner in 2011 and is now an elite partner with 22 amazing team members, and he's really great at picking horizontals, and you'll work, find out what that is. Uh, Doug also knows the difference between what works and what sounds good and doesn't work, and he's got a great way of telling you that. So what I'll do now is hand you over to Doug Davidoff from ImagineLLC.com. Doug, so great to have you here. Paul, it is a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, I heard you on a, uh, I think it was a podcast podcast. HubSpot, the Unfiltered podcast, uh, you just blew me away. I loved it. So I reached out and, uh, yeah, really excited to dig in deeper for, you know, you listening today uh, who's a, a partner. You could be a HubSpot partner, but could you you could be a partner across any uh, SaaS platform. So um, what I'd love to know first, Doug, is, you know, who who do you love to work with and what problems do you solve for? We love to work with um investment-minded companies. The, the way I look at it is you're 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 either an investment mindset or an income mindset. Yeah. So we love to deal with companies that are trying to solve the problems that they're going to, that, that are going to hold them back 12 to 18 months from now. Um, so they're really thinking ahead. Um, we, we work best in, in the mid-market space. So typically a company is going to have somewhere between 25 and 250 salespeople. That, that, that's true. Whether we're working with them directly on on this you know on a sales side engagement or not we've just learned that you tell me the number of salespeople that tells me a lot about the motion and and issues that a company has yeah. um and then they're you know they're typically selling and offering 
Um, it could be a product or a service. They're, they're more towards the premium side. So they're trying to deliver a point of view. Um, they're, they're a high consideration purchase. So there's typically complexity, risk involved. That's actually one of our favorite things is, is you know, what's the risk associated to the purchase decision? How much change is involved? So we love discontinuous innovation. So, you know, everybody wants to grow. We like to, like, like to me, everything, and I'm sure this is going to come through in the um, in the interview, everything comes down to making a trade-off decision. And when, when you want to grow, it, it's hard to say, okay, well, okay, where, where do we decide, you know, that, that the effort or the, you know, the squeeze is worth the juice, if you will, how do you find that? So when gro- growth is an imperative, it really helps to lock things in and um, that's where we excel. Yeah. Look, we're recording this in, you know, 2022, We've uh, just come off or still dealing with a pandemic. And now, you know, let's face it, in the US, you know, things are pretty tight. Inflation's gone through the roof. Uh, they're, they're raising rates. Like, how's that impacted companies' perspective on growth at the moment? So, you know, that's a fascinating um, question. And I'm glad you asked that. Um, so one of the other things that makes us different is we were actually around the last time that there was an increased interest rate environment, tightening money supply environment, which was the early 2000s, as well as going through the, you know, 2008, 2009 recession, you know, in its own way for us, Paul, it's actually a positive. Right. Um, you know, when I, I used to work at Maryland, so I used to be a financial advisor and, and I always kept a slogan above my door, but my office said, don't confuse brains with a bull market. Um, I think it was Warren Buffett who said, if you jumped off an 80 story building for the first 90, for the first 79 stories, you can convince yourself you're flying. And, and, and so when there's a, you know, when there's a tailwind, you know, when there's a big rising tide, you don't really get rewarded for making good decisions. And in some cases, you actually get re- rewarded for making what would otherwise be stupid decisions. And, yes. and so we actually like it when there's some turbulence and some difficulty because, you know, the insights that we bring, the type of approach that we take, that's where um, it, 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 it excels more. The other thing that's interesting is I have found that growth is like, you know, the growth of a business is the equivalent to the muscles for a human. And, you know, even when you're sick or hurt or whatever, you still want to do things to keep motion going. Because if you don't, your muscles are going to atrophy, which is going to make it harder for you to recover. Um, And here's a fascinating statistic about recessions. Most businesses that are, you know, permanently damaged from recessions, businesses that go out of business, they actually don't go out of business during the recession. They go out of business in the recovery. Right. And why um, is that? And 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 part, well, you know, they begin, they bunker down, they yep. they, they 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 fight to survive, they they do all of those things, but they didn't, you know, that that growth muscle atrophy. And so as the market begins to turn around and, you know, never turns around overnight, there's always a phase through that there, they they don't have the wherewithal to continue growing. So, so in the same way that even, you know, if you're in a ship and and you've got a major headwind and, you know, you still have to figure out a way to to move forward, you're not going to move forward at the same velocity. You're not going to move forward at the same rate, but you still need to have that growth mindset and that growth imperative or, what you find is when things kick back in and you try to step on the gas, you know, suddenly the plumbing's not working like it's supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, you know, if we 
um, turn to you as a HubSpot partner. I know that uh, you're an elite HubSpot partner. You've been with them since 2011, which I love that year because that's the year that I uh, left corporate <laughs> to run my own business. There yeah, it was a great year. Uh, well, actually, the first six months wasn't so great. But anyway, we'll, we'll go past that. But, um, you know, um, your go-to-market strategy, you know, I heard you on the Unfiltered podcast talking about, you know, don't rely purely on the SaaS partner. And if you're doing that at the moment, you know that you're probably getting referrals uh, maybe your partner's starting to dry up, uh, sending you some leads, and you're probably thinking, what do I do? That's why we brought Doug on. So, you know, Doug, for you, your go-to-market strategy, just take us through that. So, you know, our, our go-to-market strategy is, um, you know, it, it it's based with a very high level of focus. So, so I think that the single most important question every business executive, growth executive can answer every day is, who do we want to be a hero to? So, so for example, when you asked me the question about my ideal profile, the place where I struggle with it is I could talk to you for three days about that profile because we take it really, really seriously. Yes. And, and, and over the course of our, you know, roughly 18 years of existence, we probably have changed that profile four or five times. Yeah. Um, and when we change the profile, everything about the company changes because that is what defines us. Yes. Um, so it's, you know, who's the profile? What's the problem that we solved? If you go back to our beginning, the problem that we solved was uh, sales structure. How were salespeople selling? We began to move towards how companies were managing lead generation towards the full funnel. And about four or five years ago, we started moving towards what is now being called revenue operations, but really yes. at its core was about business process design and um you know, how do you, in its simplest way, um, I was just telling someone this the other day, what we do for customers is we get them out of their own way. Yeah. You know, I find most companies that are struggling to grow are probably working harder than they should. Like once they get on the growth track, it actually becomes a little less difficult or, you know, thing, things kind of norm. So, so we get really, really focused um, and spend most of our attention to understanding the problem that our customers have that they haven't quite fully identified. So we take a very educational approach. Yeah. We yeah. deliver a very strong point of view. Um, we, we seek to position to outcomes. I think one of the things that I've seen, especially with people who are implementing technology, it's really easy to start talking about process and yeah. you know what the wrong process is and why the right process. And, and, and the trouble there is it just doesn't get, it just gets lost in translation. So really to hit on, you know, what are the outcomes? What are the gaps that are there? Um, and then, you know, so, so, so we've got um, a target approach to companies that we're focused on. We've got a segment that, that goes out there. We've got, um, you know, an inbound engine that comes in and, I remember early in my sales advising career, um, back before the internet was the way you went to market, I talked about building a, a referral net and an influencer net. And the idea that I said was, if you got thrown into a, a world where you, know, where you knew no one and you had to start a business, before you learned who were the best customers that should work with you, what you should do is find who are the people that are already working with yes. the best customers for you yes. and, and, and find ways so that they can help spread your message. And that has led to 
uh, the partnership with HubSpot that we have now generating an awful lot of opportunity. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. And if you um, where you say that educational approach, right? So how do you find that out? Because you know we're all looking to, to dig deeper into our ideal client, whatever you call that, right? And you know you probably doing that and Doug's expressed it, but you know, like what's your approach to that? What's some tips you can give us to, to improve that? Cause some of you listening may be, you know, at the start of your journey, not as progressed as Doug uh, and not an elite partner, right? You might be just starting out. H- how do you get that education on your ideal client? Well, you know, how do you get the education? I, I really think you have to embed yourself in there. Um, yeah. You know, and, 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 and I will share with you, I don't have 25 salespeople. Um, I, I, we're at about 22 total employees. So I don't even have the number of employees for salespeople. We are not our market. Um, but we, we strive to really dig in and understand. We listen very closely. We watch what they watch. Um, you know, I, I, I see sometimes people that don't have an affinity for their market. You know, it's, it's someone that they sell to, and, and I'm not saying you can't do that, but it does it makes it harder to, to take that educational approach because, um, you know, we, we keep striving to be experts in what we do. And I don't think being an expert in what you do is what generates great opportunities. I think it's when you know your customer better than they know themselves. Um, when, when you can put into words, the, the spidey sense that they're having that, that thought in the back of their head where they kind of knew that something was wrong. You know, one of the discoveries that I made is that most of our customers, especially our best customers that, you know, not only work with us on a project, but sustain after that, they, they were actually looking for us for probably one to two years yes. before they found us. They just didn't know that, that the approach that we took existed. They, they knew there was something wrong. They didn't know what was right. Yes. Um, so, so that's how we, we get the basis of it. But then the other insight that I would give, and I see this mistake consistently, is again, we try to demonstrate our expertise and thought leadership. You know, the problem with thought leadership is the takeaway is someone reads your stuff and goes, wow, these people are really smart. They know a lot. That doesn't actually influence behavior. What we want to do is we want to deliver an insight. What is it that they think they know that ain't so? We want someone, I mean, candidly, the right person probably disagrees with what we're saying before they embrace it. There's a little bit of a, wait, wait, no, that can't, that's, that's not right. Or, Hey, that doesn't apply to me because what, what we're doing is, you know, we want the takeaway instead of, gee, we're smart. We want the person to go, wait, we might be doing this wrong. Um, We, we might need to think about doing this differently. So, so we also focus a lot on, you know, our, our messaging is not about why should you buy from us? It really is. Why should you talk to us? Why should you consider this? Why should you spend time investigating? We know if you're the right profile and we don't want you to buy from us if you're not the right profile, but if you're the right profile and you start talking with us in a serious conversation about growth, we're going to win far more than our fair share in that process. And so we just kind of let nature take its course. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. And, and when you touch back on the you know features versus outcomes or results or benefits, however you want to do that, you know that was um, interesting. Like I worked for Coca Cola for eighteen years. You're not going to talk about sugar in a can for eighteen years, right? 
the only by default you had to talk about the or understand the consumer and then understand yeah. the customer to the consumer because it was such a basic product, right? Whereas you're right. I think, you know, for you, you might be thinking, you know, I know a lot about my product. I come from a technical background. I may not have been in a sales role, right? Um, and all of a sudden my default, like, because when we're nervous, our default is to go to what we know best, right? It's sort of like our, mm -hmm. our coping mechanism. And often that's about your product. And I think you articulated really well. It's not about the, the product. It's about the outcomes. And uh, I find that HubSpot, you know, because by default, they're very good at that. They're an inbound company. I find a lot of their partners are, are good at that as well. And, um, you know, what's your favorite platforms for thought leadership? Where do you get your uh, contrarian maybe uh, views out? So, so you know, um, where's my favorite place? Well, you know, I don't really have a favorite place. Because one of the things that I find that happens, and I, and I work really hard to, to avoid this, is you start, you start following something, it's really resonating with you, and, and so you begin to um, overconsume that. And, and, and before you realize it, and Lord knows with social media today, you know, we're, we're just walking echo chambers. Yeah. So, so one of the things that I try to do is I try to find pieces that disagree. So when I read an insight um, or I read something from somebody and I go, Hey, wow, that's really good. I'll begin to look for, okay, who's somebody that, you know, what's another point of view. I, I try to, I was actually just talking with my son about this as he's really, you know, realizing that, Hey, learning is not a thing that you just do in school to, you know, pass the next test so that you can, so that you can graduate. And, and so he's now on that aspect of, of learning for the, for the, sake of learning. And he's gotten really, you know, Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. He's really into um, aspects around, you know, behavioral science and, and, you know, why do people do what they do? Um, and, you know, we were just on vacation and he was telling me about this concept and that concept and, you know, really evangelizing. And I said, Hey, Drew, what you're doing, it's great. Here's what I want you to do though. I want you to get to the point where you're listening to this and you're reading this. And I want you to have a point of view how do you disagree with that author, right? Where, where's that opportunity to disagree? Where, where's the nuance in there? When is that not right? And so, you know, I mean, I love Gartner stuff because um, they're wrong about 70% of the time, but they do a really good job of, of, I mean, if you want to talk about somebody that knows how to deliver an insight, Gartner does a tremendous job. Yeah. Um, but, you know, where are the places where you agree and disagree? Um, you know, I, I, I enjoy HubSpot. Um, I, I try to read a little bit more about where my customers are going. So I actually find, um, you know, Harvard business review has gotten really good with, with more consumable content. Um, I would follow them on Twitter. Everybody, if you're not, that's a great place to, and, and, and again, what I'm looking for when I'm reading it is not, you know, what, what is it that they're saying so that I can parrot it? Um, like I've noticed that there are just too many people in the marketing space that they just want to be Seth Godin. And I'm like, well, you know what? Seth Godin is Seth Godin. He's already got, he's got that ground covered. What, how does that apply to what we're doing? How do we take that thought? So like, if you don't have a strong body of, of, of content yourself right now, the way that I think you can become a tremendous creator is start off by curating yeah. what's out there that you can point people to, but then 
when you can deliver a point of view, what is your point of view on their point of view? I think that's where you really get your voice um, and you begin to, you know, to truly add value to the mix of what's out there and, and to who your customers are. Yeah, great. And, you know, leading back to your point of view, which was, you know, most partners, HubSpot partners, et cetera, rely too much on uh, partner, their partner for referrals, yeah. right? So t- tell us why you believe that and tell us more importantly what we can do about it. Well, well, I mean, I and I would say this probably you know certainly applies to more than just HubSpot partners. I, I, yeah, I can correct. tell you why I believe why I believe that is that I got, um, you know, HubSpot has a has a very rich partner program. Yeah. Um, don't tell them this. I think candidly, it's probably a little bit too rich. Um, and and and, you and sorry, what do you mean by that? that? Actually, a little bit too rich. What do you mean well, by that? So, so, you know, what, what, when you become a partner and, and their revenue share, it's like, Hey, thank you very much. Um, you know, I, I joke around when I'm being skeptical or cynical that, you know, there's an avenue of partners. I call them HubSpot franchisees, um, where, where it's kind of, you know, they, Hey, they, they're, they're bleeding the orange. They're telling the story of, of HubSpot, but it's, but it's, it's like mimicking it. And, and one of the key things that they're pursuing is the revenue share. Yeah. Um, what I try to do first off, like I will not partner with a, uh, with anybody, um, on the basis of revenue share. I mean, if you want to give me revenue share, that's fine. Um, but you know, I'm, you know, I'm in the business of delivering a set of services, you know, a, a set of things. And, and that's what I'm looking, um, to do. How, how do I grow my business? I realize, um, you know, and I, have talked with Brian Halligan, Yamini, and Darmesh about this as well. The executives are there. And I say, hey, look, I understand that every morning when you wake up, the question that you ask yourself is not, how can we make the world better for Doug? Um, and they joke around and I go, no, 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 we, we ask that all the time. <clears throat> and I go, well, you know, maybe you do right now, but, you know, it's, you know, obviously you're making decisions for HubSpot. Yeah. I'm making decisions for Imagine right now. And for a long period of time, we've been on you know, a reinforcing journey and that's great. Um, but I never forget my job is to serve my client. Right. So, so, so there's that. And, you know, I would go to, to partner meetings and I talk to partners and, and I would regularly hear a complaint of, you know, why aren't they sending me more business? You should be sending me more business. Um, and, and my thought was always, you know, I, I was exposed to, to tech partnerships before, the reseller element was 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 the thing. You know, if, if you go back to the days of of the Microsoft partnerships, the SAP partnerships, it was only and all about implementation. It was, yes. you know, nine times or more out of ten, it was after, you know, purchase. It was in market, um, and 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 your job was, you know, you worked with customers to help them make sense and 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 get those things set up correctly. And so, you know, there there, you know, it's easy. You know, you know, being the beneficiary for for um, you know fair amount of time, where where you know HubSpot has been bringing us in 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 many cases. Well, you know, first off, they brought us in because of what we've done, right? Yes. Rather than, um, you know, us working saying, "Hey, you know, yeah, who, send who, me more business." Pretending or, who you want to be, <laughs> right? Yeah, and 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 you know what? It it took us probably, God, you know. I mean, we've, we've, we've been partnered with them for 11 years. Um, and, 
it was probably a good five or six years of, of real intensive, um, you know, delivering a point of view, being helpful, um, that the point of view that we were delivering as, as HubSpot got to a point where they started dealing more and more with the type of customers that we were dealing with, they started recognizing, wait a second, this, you know, this is the stuff Doug was talking about. This is the stuff Imagine was talking about. And so, and, and by the way, we started off by, we were there to help. You know, you could ask us, you could ask us a question, whether you're going to refer the business to us or not. And, and, and actually the first two really good opportunities we got brought into, um, we had to come in because something had gotten screwed up, right? So someone else had, had, had made a mistake. We needed to step in. We needed to move a little bit faster. We had to operate a little bit outside of, of, of our realm, you know, how we normally operate to take care of that, which led to more opportunities. Um, but, you know, the other thing that I talk about too, is when you start working with a, a, a tech partner, certainly one that has the type of opportunity to, to, to move real business. And, and I do think you need to be careful. Like us partnering with HubSpot is really helpful because HubSpot is a core system. Yes. Um, I, I've had a number of tertiary, complementary, specialized applications and, and, and you know, they would talk to us in the same way. They would even, as a way to try to get us to use them more, they would dangle or, or offer some of those referrals. And, and, you know, of course, initially we engaged with that. And, and what I found was it, they weren't really great opportunities for us because they were coming from a very you know, small segment of what was being done. And, and, you know, we're a core business process focus. And, and, and so A, there was a match, you know, all business is not good business. But the other thing is, I think that, that a lot of people have this idea that life would be easier if, you know, if only they would get me. And, and there, there, there's a few things that happen. A, you have to understand if, if a partner is really delivering business to you, that you have two customers, yeah. right? And if you're not willing to accept and adapt to two customers, then you're, you're going to have a lot of friction. Yeah. Um, you know, one customer is the tech company and the sales rep, and you've got to understand, you know, the sales rep has a job. They've got to achieve, you know, they've got to achieve their number. They're, they are looking to make a sale. Now, I don't think you should ever do anything that you're not comfortable with, but I've seen partners um, get brought in by a sales rep and then basically, you know, inadvertently torpedo the opportunity. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I had the opportunity with, with some of them to ask, why, why'd you do that? And they were like, well, that was the wrong thing for, for the client. I'm, and I'm like, okay, if you feel like it's the wrong thing for the client and you're brought in by the partner, you owe it to the partner to tell them that you're not the right person for that. Yes. Right. And, and, and so it's totally okay to take yourself out of it. And if you're not willing to do that, I don't think you're going to have a sustainable partnership. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so, and then I know I'm kind of rambling here, but the, and then the last element is when, when that spigot turns on, and and this was the surprise that I had. When that spigot turns on, it turns on. Yes. Right. One of the aspects about the tech partner being your customer is they're not looking for somebody that can support an implementation every now and then. They don't have the time or capacity to think and manage that. They're looking for people that can be go-to, which means 
there's a little bit where you have to be able to manage your business so that you can always say yes. Cause like, and, and today for, for very legitimate reasons, you know, reps will reach out to me and they say, well, do you have capacity? And I'm like, come on, man, you know, why I always have capacity. Um, and, and we, you know, there's things I had to do and some risks I had to take to, to be able to back that up because if I can take business sometimes and not other times, yeah, I'll probably still get that, but, but it's not going to be of the same caliber in that same place. And so like, I know some people that, that they run very nice businesses. They're small businesses. They like the size and scope, they're, they're very, they pride themselves on their boutique-ness. Yes. And I'm like, that's great. You need to understand, you know, that's not a match. Here's the thing. And, and it's, you know, it's like you find your wife when you're no longer looking for a girlfriend, right? Yeah. You find, you know, all those things when you stop looking. And it was, you know, it was amazing because our, you know, just as our go-to-market strategy really started kicking in and we started seeing that acceleration, that was the moment that all of a sudden, you know, our partner referrals and our partner introductions started really kicking in. Um, and, and again, it was because we had the ability to deliver. They knew, you know, all, all those things came about. Um, and, you know, candidly today, if you were to ask me, what is my number one risk? My number one risk is we're, we're, we're actually, you know, the amount of business that we're getting as a result of those introductions and, and which I'm very grateful for. And please, if you're listening, HubSpot, don't stop. Um, but, you know, we, you know, we're, we're actually getting ready to make the investment, you know, back into our go-to-market that, that, that we're controlled to get our self-made opportunities back up. Now we had to go through a process to really level up and, and we doubled, almost tripled um, our team size and our backend systems to be able to support that. Um, and we're now kicking in so that we can, you know, keep both of those pipes going. But I think when you begin to look to your partner as you should be sending me business, that entitlement attitude will never help you. And it's not until you don't need them that I think you can truly um, absorb what a partner can bring to the table and you can truly pursue sustained growth. Yeah, look, uh, yeah, really well said. Of you know, a couple of things there. So, we were, um, you know, I think in life where where it's too good, it is too good, right? So we were a partner for a particular brand or a particular platform, eighty leads a month, fantastic. Uh, all of a sudden, those eighty leads effectively disappeared overnight because a new board member came on and yep. said we're going to change strategy, right? So all of a sudden, uh, you know, sorry about the image, but you know we got our pants pulled down. So we had to build our own independent, which was the best thing that ever happened. At the time, we thought it was the mm -hmm. worst thing. It actually turned out to be the best, which is exactly in line with you. And also, you've got to, yeah, like you said, you've got to decide who you're going to be. You're going to be a volume shop where you just take everything from the partner and it's across every vertical, right? Or what you said is, no, you pick a vertical, you intimately know them, know them better and just say, hey, we just will take these type and you generate your own. And now there's neither right or wrong. I know which one you've gone down. I know which pathway ended up going down, which was successful. But I think you've got to make that decision because you can't sit on the fence, right? You can't be uh, halfway. So if, if you're in this growth stage and you're, you know, own business at the moment and you're thinking about it, like, you know, just I think Doug's making some brilliant points of just buyer beware, like, you know, Yes, you'd love lots of leads from your, your platform partner, but it doesn't come without headaches, as, as Doug's uh, articulating. And, um, and, and you know- can I, you, can I throw one thing in? Yeah, go for it. I just, 
It's about you, you not me. You, so you can throw in as many things but, as you but, like. But you, 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 you said something. I just, I don't want, I don't want to miss the opportunity for it because you talked about, you know, um, you, you can be a volume shop, say yes to everything, or or choose a vertical. What we actually did was we chose a horizontal, right? Yeah, and yeah. and what I mean by that is we defined a problem set that that we solve, and and what we worked extraordinarily hard on was communicating, and we are constantly reinforcing when this is the situation you shouldn't be thinking about anybody else. Yeah. Um, but it also meant we had to be willing to tell you what wasn't the right business for us, yes. right? No, we're not the right person for that. Um, so, so you, I mean, a vertical is definitely one way to do it, but, but I would also say that, you know, that, that horizontal is, is another way that you can kind of accomplish the same thing. Yeah. And in your sales process, right? Like you help others, you know, set up their sales process before you implement the the, the, the tools of platform, which is the right way to go. But what about your internal process? Like, you know, tell us, you know, I'm a, once again, you're listening and you're thinking, God, what can Doug help me given he's been in this game for 11 years? What can he help me expedite? What is that in your sales process? What have you learned that, you know, few others know? So, so there's two things. Um, one is we always go in and we begin with a assumed business case and assumed point of view. Um, we, we go through a diagnosis phase, which is different from a discovery or needs assessment or profiling phase in that, you know, we really want to identify what is the underlying problem that needs to be solved and what's happening because of that problem. And we know that, that the probability and quality of that win is going to be based on how robust that, that diagnosis is. The, the other element, and I actually have a, a, an article on my uh, website on, you know, a complete guide to building a high impact sales process that actually shares our entire sales process and, and philosophy behind that if, if you're interested in it. But the other thing is I take a, what I think is a fundamentally different approach than most salespeople or most sales organizations. And, and that is I, I go in from the beginning asking the question, what's wrong with this picture? What do I see here that indicates that they're not going to take action? They're not going to buy? I think it's really easy to go in and look for the reasons that they will move forward, um, the reasons that it, it that it does look good, and and just what I've learned is you end up delivering a lot more value. The customer appreciates you more. They they don't feel like they're being sold to when you're working to identify where are the barriers, what are the issues that would prevent action from taking place, and being clear on that. And by the way. The place where I get the most nervous is when I'm early in an opportunity and I'm looking at it going, okay, well, what's a reason that they won't do this? I, I can't find one. I know I'm in trouble if I don't have a clear picture on, on okay, what are the factors that would prevent us from winning? I, I, I like to think of, of managing the sale as, as the equivalent of playing a, you know, a hand of Texas Hold'em. Yeah. Yeah. And I think probably your financial planning background helps as well because you're always looking yeah, at probably. Uh, yeah, risk risk reversal there or risk mitigation, I should say. And and about, you know, lead gen at the moment, what are some of your best sources of leads? We've talked about inbound, but uh, you know, what what else are you doing? What else are you seeing that's really working that once again you're, you know, take that contrarian cap. Uh yeah, well, what are you doing that uh, many others aren't? And as uh, as Buffy says, you know, be uh, brave when others are fearful. Um, so, so two things, um, you know, so our inbound engine continues to work really well. 
Um, we continue to deliver a, you know, a unique point of view. We continue to challenge ourselves and, 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 and look to raise our game. Um, you know, I launched, uh, the RevOps show podcast, um, which is my third podcast that I've done now, um, several months ago. And that's beginning, we're beginning to see that traction and we give a lot away. I mean, I, you know, that's our lead generation strategy is give a lot away. Now, what I'll say is we give a lot away about the problem. Right. Not not as much about the solution, which, which is a good place. Yep. And and the other element is we've gotten clearer um, and we've been able to articulate and define more and more, you know, who is our customer and who are the people that, that fit our customers. So we we're, we're doing a modified outbound. So yep. very much of an inbound philosophy to a targeted group of, of companies and stakeholders and, and looking for opportunities. You know, how can we help them to generate it? And then from helping them generate a conversation. Yeah. And are you doing, you know, when you're doing that outreach, is it email? Is it social media? Omni? Like, how are you doing? It's, 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 it's email. It's, um, it's email, social media. Um, we are in the process of hiring um, um, and we're, you know, restaffing our sales sites. So we're going to be hiring one or two new account executives, which will kick in a little bit more of a directed outbound to there. Um, to there. But, you know, the way I like to look at it is, and, and what I'll be teaching my salespeople um, when, when they come on again, is if you can generate a relationship with 200 companies that view you as somebody that they could ask a question of to get an answer for something that matters, what I know is in the market that we work in, somewhere between three and 5% of that market is going to have a problem that means something in that month. And so if I have a relationship with 200 companies and three to 5% have, and that means six to 10 companies are going to reach out and they're going to say, hey, we're having an issue. What's your thought on? And what I know is a third to half of those will proceed into beginning to take action about something, which means you'll generate two to five distinct opportunities. And if I've got a sales rep de developing two to five distinct opportunities a month, they're going to blow away anything that we're going to be able to handle from them anyhow. And so spend less time worrying about getting the sale or setting the appointment and spend more time just establishing the basis that, that your, your peers and you can be, you know, you and you can mutually help each other, get, have conversations and businesses, you know, business will happen. You can't control whether they have a problem this month or not. You just have to be there, be positioned. So when it happens, they think of you. Yeah, beautifully said. Absolutely love it. Well, what we're going to do now is shift gears a little and we're going to go into some rapid fire questions and therefore answers. I always say it's like a sip of beer, right? So, uh, you know, our, us Aussies love beer and I, I've never met an American that uh, doesn't drink beer. But anyway. I'm first, all in. First, first ones. Uh, what are some sales habits you do every day to help you accelerate your sales that you haven't mentioned? Um. Wow, that I haven't mentioned. That's a challenge. You didn't tell me that this is supposed to be rapid fire. Um, I, I, I try to um, I try to read something that I know my customers are reading. Yep. Yep. Brilliant. Uh, what about, uh, obviously, you use HubSpot yourselves, but what other uh, software are you using at the moment that uh, helps you accelerate your sales? Um, so we're huge fans of Seventh Sense, which is an email delivery optimization tool. Um, email is such an underutilized um, channel 
and 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 it's harder than ever to make it work. So so um, we use that. Um, Avoma is a tool that we use that that you know saves me time having to take notes. Um, and oh, and um, sharing documents is a is a big issue and and only getting bigger. Um, and there's this you know new company Cloud Files that actually um, has a really really sweet interface. Um, and our ability to to deliver and manage. Even the other day, I had somebody who um, they had some huge file that they couldn't get out, and and so I'm able to actually give them access to upload it into my my instance, and it automatically gets affiliated to the right record, et cetera, et cetera. So it saves us all kinds of time, and um, is really conducive. Brilliant. And uh, we've already talked about we you get your sales tips, so I won't, I'll skip that one. But um, if you could. Well, if I could grant you one wish for your business, right? What what would that be? Well, I, I don't get to say more wishes. Um, <laughs> we got and sorry for, for those uh, listening to audio. I just put one finger up, and it uh, it was my first finger. <laughs> there you go. There you, go. <laughs> um, you know, the one wish would be clarity. I hate it when people are playing games, like kind of go to the schools, like, Hey, let's put, let's put our cards on the table. And, and yeah. if it makes sense, it makes sense. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. So yeah. You know, clarity and directness. Yep. Brilliant. And uh, the last one is, uh, you know, you've been in this game for 11 years. You, um, you're very, very good at it. You know, what's something you wish you had have started earlier? So I'm going to share one thing I wish I'd started earlier. And the other thing is, something that I have to keep reminding myself all the time. Um, What I wish I started earlier is, is understanding the importance of the plumbing. Um, I I grew up and and I'm naturally a strategy and idea guy. And so I've always been, Hey, it's the great idea. It's the best strategy that wins. And it's actually just, you know, it's the smaller things that make the bigger difference. Um, I wish I had known the importance of plumbing earlier and the thing that I always have to remind myself is the focus should be velocity, not speed. And that means far more often than not, slow and steady wins the race. As a matter of fact, I love the, the Navy SEALs, the U.S. Navy SEALs have a mantra, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Yeah. And, and what I find is that when I, you know, everything takes longer than I thought it was going to take. But, but when you keep the focus on consistency, I look back to what we were doing two years ago, three years ago, and I just, I can't believe we're doing what we're doing today. Yeah. And I just need to remind myself that, that that's the key. That consistent ongoing element is what makes the difference. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yep. So well said. And I think whether it's a horizontal or vertical, right, that consistency helps because you keep compounding. And then like you said, you've changed mm-hmm. four or five times in the 11 years, you know, your, your ideal client and I'll, you know, I do a thing and, and I love the fact that you throw it all in. But look, we could talk forever, Doug. It's, it's been absolutely um, my pleasure, but also you listening or uh, watching it as well. Um, you've shared so much um, gold in this. Um, so you can find out more about Doug other than all the links that are in the show notes, uh, of course. But you can find out more at imaginellc.com. Uh, Twitter, uh, follow uh, Doug David off is uh, his Twitter handle. And don't forget to check out the podcast as well. So we'll have all the links to that. But Doug, uh, you've been an absolute joy. And uh, thanks for um, entertaining us today. Paul, thanks for the questions. They were great.
it's been a pleasure. I love that interview with Doug. How was his energy? It was fantastic. And he shared lots and lots of value. You know, he loves what he does. Um, I love that around his content strategy, which I'm going to certainly do more of. I think I'm too even keel on that one. And also around those 200 companies, uh, 3% of people are ready to buy at any one time and really help them. Right. So share what you've learned with uh, from Doug on LinkedIn. He'd love that for you. And uh, the other thing you can find out more at imaginellc.com, other than all the links, et cetera, will be in the app that you're listening to. It'll also be in the uh, our podcast website. And it will also, uh, will have a, you have the opportunity to get a full transcript. Just go to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast. And why not share it with others, right? I say it at the end of every episode, so if it's your first time, but now why not share it one, 10, how many other people, especially if they're HubSpot partners, I think that'd be great. But also if they're just, you know, looking for great tips on how to improve their selling, I think this is a brilliant one for them. So please do that. Um, please check out past solo shows that I do on the Accelerate Sales podcast. And also uh, don't forget that free cloud the, well, sorry, the free community for cloud consultants, uh, too many C's in that, uh, at the cloudconsultantscollective.com. Next week's guest is Tyrone Giuliani, and uh, he's an absolute gun on LinkedIn outreach. So, um, And he's got a very unique way of doing it, so you have to listen to that one. And the last thing, as always, please take action to accelerate your sales. I'm fired up after today's episode. What about you? But hey, before you go, Learning is just one piece of the puzzle. Now it's time to put today's strategy into action. Head over now to today's show page at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast and share how you'll put it into action. Be sure to head over to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Tell me what your favorite episode is. And don't wait one minute more to gain access to your pulse check at paulhigginsmentoring.com. This could be the difference between struggling to get more leads and making this next quarter your best one yet.